welcome to the first message in a brand new series we're calling Expect More. Here, here's where we're going in this series. Uh, when you read the Bible, when you read through it, there's this reoccurring theme where God takes a man or a woman who doesn't have any great superhuman powers or even above average characteristics and brings out of them more than they or anyone else expected. They expect more. That, that's not just for the folks in the Bible. It's the testimony of followers of Jesus throughout generations. So this series is what I'm calling Applied Theology. Oh yeah, we're going deep. Here's what I mean. I truly believe that God wants to do more through you and me, but we simply are not expecting more ourselves. And the reason we're not expecting more is because we're not applying what we know about God and what he's trying to teach about ourselves. This series is going to be very theological, knowing the Word of God, and very practical, which means we're going to apply it. Many of you will recognize our theme verse for this series. Ephesians 4 is a portion of the Word of God that we have leaned on heavily as a guide for how we operate as a church. So here we go. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. That's Ephesians 4, 11, and 12. This is the, a key verse for us here because we are equipping God's people in order that they can build the church, not, not a building, the mission of Jesus Christ, his work. So what is the work of Jesus Jesus himself tells us in Luke chapter 19, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Paul described it to the church in Corinth this way. He said, God has given us this task of reconciling people to him, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. We have been tasked with taking Jesus Christ to the world. We have the message of reconciliation. He is doing this through us. Come on, we're, we're digging deep. Less than five minutes into the message and we're flying through scriptures. Now, now going back to the letter that Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, uh, this will, he says, this will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced by people trying to trick us into lies so clever they sound like truth. I might be just stepping on a few toes in this message. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. Here is where we are getting to the meat of the matter, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Paul is laying out for us in clear language that he is expecting more from us. If you, you turn back just a few pages in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, Paul's already introduced this uh, uh, expectation to the church when he writes, for we are God's masterpiece. 
He has created in us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. A masterpiece is not something that is haphazardly done. It is done with precision and with purpose. The word there, anew, means a fresh start, not, not a fix-up job or a touch-up job. Has anyone ever gotten a, a scratch on their new car? One of those deep scratches that goes down to the metal and you try to cover it up? Yeah, I, I remember getting my first nice car, a Pontiac Sunfire, black with tinted windows, a spoiler on the back, and red interior. Oh yeah, I was cruising. Now, I remember getting a scratch on my back bumper and going over to AutoZone, picking up a little can of that touch-up paint. And, and with all the precision I had in my hand, I attempted to cover up that scratch. It didn't make the bumper look any better. It just made a bubble of black paint where the scratch used to be. This, this is what many of us are trying to do with our lives. We're going to the store. We're trying to find a product that will cover up our past mistakes. It's an effort to trick ourselves that we are good enough, but God is expecting more. If God, our creator, is expecting more, then, then we should be expecting more. We have to stop looking for some secret that will allow us to keep on with life without making any changes, but looking like we've had it all together. The word anew means that it's, that it's taken apart, it's given a full restoration, and put back together as it was intended to be. If, if you get this, if you, if you really get this, it's good news. God has things planned for us, things he's planned for us long ago, and he wants to work those things out in our lives. Now, there's three foundational principles that, that you need to understand, and then I'm going to give you three ways to apply them. The first principle is that God does not improve you, he changes you. This is one of those really tough conversations that, honestly, I'd prefer not to have. But since I've been given a responsibility, Ephesians 4.11, I'm going to go there. The question I get a lot goes like this. If I'm going to be a part of authentic church, will I have to change? Yes. Now, now listen, this is not just for the person that's beginning a relationship with Jesus. This is for every single one of us. If you are growing, and growing is how we're able to do more, then we have to be changing. To grow means we have to change. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. The word that's translated new creation is the same word that we get the word metamorphosis from. You remember learning that about a caterpillar that metamorphizes into a butterfly? That, that is the, the picture that is being painted here for us. It's a radical change. A change in your thoughts, a change in your attitude, a change in your habits, a change in your marriage, a change in your addictions. Jesus has a similar conversation with a man in John chapter 3. It says there was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. And after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said. Now, Nicodemus is coming to Jesus as a teacher. That is what rabbi means, teacher. He, he, he only knows Jesus as a teacher at this point. Now, let me pause here, because some of you only know Jesus as a teacher. 
And we like what he teaches. He teaches love and teaches kindness and teaches mercy. But as all of you, uh, all of you newly ordained homeschool teachers are now realizing, teaching alone doesn't change anything. Nicodemus says, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. That is what set Jesus apart. God was with him. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus goes right at the heart of the matter. Nicodemus, is more than, it's more than teaching truth. There has to be a radical change. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's womb and be born again? How does this type of change take place? In the physical, it just doesn't make sense. And Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Humans reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. Your flesh is limited. It can only produce what is limited to your body. But the Holy Spirit can produce in you more, more than you expect. Expect more. Here's the second principle. God loves us as we are, but loves us too much to leave us that way. This is one of those teachings that gets caught in extremes. There are those that focus on grace. God loves you just the way you are. And he does. Then there are those that focus on the change. Turn and burn. There are two separate, these, these are not two separate truths. It's, it's not either rainbows and grace or fingers in your face sending you to hell. Separately, they are, they're not truth. But together, John 1.14 says this, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let me say it this way. Grace plants, but truth produces. I, I love my little girl just the way she is. She does not need to do anything for me to love her any more than I already do. But what kind of father would I be if I did not expect her to mature and grow? What I expect from her today will be different a year from now. I'm going to expect more. The third principle is we need to, to do expect more. We need to expect change. I, I know this is some tough teaching, but if we're going to expect God to do more in our lives, it's going to mean that we're going to have to change some things in our lives. Galatians 5, 19 through 24. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results, the expectations, if you go down this road, it will result in you getting these things are very clear. Sexual morality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, has different expectations. There is a change in direction and a change in results. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature 
to his cross and crucified them there. I love the way that John describes it in 1 John. He says, whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Christ did. When you know him, change takes place. John, John stays on this subject. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome. 1 John 5.3. His commands are not hard to follow because it's, he is not making us do it. We want to do it. Now, how does this happen? Let me give you three ways to apply this to our lives. Number one, change your focus from who you were to who God wants you to become. This is why God chose to use messed up people to deliver his message. He used Moses, who was a murderer and had a speech impediment, to bring Israelites out of slavery. He used Paul, the, the guy whose letters to the churches we have been reading from for the majority of this message. He, he had been tracking down and killing followers of Jesus just a few years before he wrote those letters. God chose him to write two-thirds of the New Testament because God changes people. Look how Paul describes himself in Romans 1.1. Paul, a servant of Christ, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. He doesn't describe himself as an ex-murderer. He is called to be. I, I'm, he may not be there yet, but he knows what God is expecting of him. That, that is why Paul is able to tell us in Colossians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. We need to move our focus from the used to be to the but now. That is what I'm inviting you into today. Here's the second thing you need to do. Let God change everything. Let God. This is the amazing thing about God. He's big enough and powerful enough to change your life. But he says, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to stand at the door and knock. We have to let God. And there's the second thing, change everything. It isn't, about, isn't it about time for us to let God? Isn't it time to let him deal with our pain? Let him deal with that addiction. Isn't it time that we let him deal with that unforgiveness that we have? We all have areas in our lives. God wants to do more in. Psalm 37 says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will act. And he will bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Delight yourselves it means to adorn yourself as a bride. Present yourself before him. He will bring your righteousness, your right marriage, your right thinking, Paul writes it this way in Philippians, for God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. I present myself, and all of a sudden, my desires are changing. There, there's a metamorphosis that takes place, and I don't even recognize myself. Here's the last thing we need to do. We need to allow the change to begin today. 
I, I know I gave you the last point, but I want you to stay focused because this is the moment that God wants to speak into your life. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18 says, But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. God is inviting us into his presence, unashamed, unveiled. Knowing what you've done, knowing your mistakes and flaws, he is inviting you in to look into a mirror. What is that mirror? It's the word of God. The words we've been reading and diving into today. When you look into that mirror, you're going to see that you are being transformed into the image of God. You are made in the image of God. Yes, you can expect more. You don't have to live in anger. You don't have to be controlled by fear. I heard a story of a, of a woman, National Geographic actually did a story, a documentary on her life, and there's a book that's entitled A Girl With No Name, and it tells her story of Marina Chapman. She was a four years old, and she remembers being stolen from her home in, the, in Columbia, and then abandoned after being stolen in the Colombian jungle. She, she remembers pieces of the, of the abuse that she was put through. Two days later, half-drugged, terrified, and starving, she comes upon a troop of monkeys. This four-year-old girl began to act entirely out of instinct, and she tried to do what they did. She ate what they ate and copied their actions, and little by little, she learned to fend for herself in the jungle. Somehow, she survived for 10 years in the jungle with no human contact. She is surviving by living as a monkey. She's lost the ability to speak because the only social interaction she has is with those monkeys. She tells the story that around the age of 14, she saw something on the floor of the jungle that was reflecting the sunlight. She cautiously approached that object, and when she looked at it, she was startled to see the eyes staring back at her. Scared, she threw down the object and retreated back into the trees. After regaining her courage, she approached the object again and looked into a mirror for the very first time. She realized that the eyes looking back at her were hers. She says it was at that moment that she realized that the girl in the mirror didn't look like the monkeys she'd been living with. She didn't know what she was, but she knew that she was not what she had been thinking she was. She says that she went on living with the monkeys, dissatisfied because she now knew that there was more to her story. She's now in her 60s, lives in England, has a child and grandchildren. According to her, her favorite thing to do with her, with her grandchildren is to climb trees. And she can climb, out-climb each one of them. She's had a lot of practice. Here's what I hope this service has done for you. Today, I want you to have a mere moment. You were made for more. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you today looking into mirror, and we realize that we are made for more. You created us as a masterpiece, your masterpiece, and you want to change us. We may not fully realize who we are going to be, but we know that we are not what we used to be. We turn to you and we give you permission to change everything. Begin today to make me into the person you have planned. Thank you for giving us your life on the cross, that 
through you we can receive salvation and be filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.